G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71, features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. I, a 29-year-old male, was out partying this Friday night with four of my female friends, two of which I have just met that evening. We were having drinks at a club in Central Europe. The night was going great. We were dancing and talking. All of us had a lot of fun. At around 2am, the girls grabbed a taxi and went home. I decided to stay a bit more in the club to finish my drink. I've danced on the stage for about 20 minutes. Then I grabbed a taxi and I went home too. When I arrived on the street where I live, my drunk butt realized that I have no keys and so I couldn't get home as I live alone. So I called another taxi and I went back to the club to look for my keys. First, I went to the bar to ask if anybody has brought any lost keys to them that night. Unfortunately, they didn't have my keys, so I started to look for them in the club and every place that I was that night. I turned on the flashlight on my phone and have been looking for the keys in a mass of people. About 10 minutes go by and I haven't found anything apart from some broken glass and cigarette butts. I went back to the place where I was initially looking for them. This is the place where we have been having our drinks with the girls before. I've started to look for my keys on the sitting benches instead of on the ground. I had my keys in the inside pocket of my jacket as I always do, and my jacket was placed in the corner of that bench the whole night before I first left. People were sitting on the benches and they'd had their jackets on the benches too. I sat down near the corner where I was sitting before and beside me was a guy with lines of some drugs on his phone freely giving them to other people. He had put his jacket in the corner of the bench and I wanted to look at the corner of the bench to see if my keys hadn't been pushed into the corner or something. So I grabbed his jacket and to my surprise, my keys were right under this guy's jacket in the middle of the bench. I was drunk and so I started pretty much yelling that I was so happy to have found them as I'll admit that I was getting pretty desperate at that moment. Now, there was a guy on that bench that we'd met with the girls before in the club. I'll call him L. He was really nice during the whole night, and so I kept talking to L when I found my keys. I even went to the bar and grabbed another beer just to talk for a bit more with L. I went to the bathroom, and when I came back, L had found himself an acquaintance to which he was talking, so I just started to finish my beer while I smoked a cigarette and was getting ready to go home. This is when the guy that had lines of those drugs I mentioned earlier on his phone had started talking to me. His name was Pedro, and it was definitely a fake name that he gave me. I've been talking with him in English. Pedro was 19 years old, and he was from Colombia. He told me stories about his life in Colombia and how his family struggles there. He told me that his father had died recently and he is the oldest son so he is in Slovakia trying to make some money for the family. He even showed me photos of him and his family back in Colombia. 
I sympathized with Pedro and I was honestly feeling a bit sorry for him. After about 20 minutes, El had scored with a girl that he met and he said that they were going home. He asked Pedro if he had any MDMA on him and he sold some to them so El left with the girl. Now, people around on the bench had seen what was happening and so they wanted some stuff from Pedro as well. He started to make lines on his phone again. I told Pedro that I was going home and I wished him best of luck, grabbed my jacket and I started walking. This is when Pedro called out to me and stopped me, said that it was late and he should go back to the hotel too. He scratched the drugs from his phone onto the table, took his belongings and told the people that they can finish whatever was left for free. Me and Pedro had walked out of the underground club at this point and when we were outside, he asked me if I wanted to walk him to his hotel which was nearby, just a five minute walk. He told me in the club that he really had no friends and no family in Slovakia as well. Again, I sympathized with him. I told him that, sure, I can walk him to the hotel. We were talking the whole walk and he was saying some really nice things to me, like how I get his situation and how good of a person I am. When we arrived at the hotel, the door was closed and he messaged to someone to come and open the door for him. He asked if I wanted to have one last beer with him, to which... I said sure, but I'll be on my way once we finish the beer. Some girl came and opened the door for us. They had spoken in Spanish as they greeted me. The hotel itself didn't really look like a public hotel, I guess. There was a reception and stairs up and on the left was a dining room. Pedro told me to wait for him in the dining room. This was like five in the morning already. I went to the dining room and there was a girl sitting with her laptop there. I greeted her with hola and sat down. Pedro came after, maybe three to five minutes later, with two open cans of some beverages. There was a parrot and a Jack Daniels logo on this. The can was golden color, I think. But this, this was the moment that I should have gotten suspicious. And I never should have drunk from that can, that opened can. I was naive and drunk and I overlooked this fact and I drank from the can. I was talking with Pedro about all the drug cartels in Colombia and how their politics are all messed up. After about 10 minutes, I started to feel weird as well, and I looked at my phone. My hands and eyes were tingling. I was quickly aware of what was happening now. I quickly turned on the location and mobile data on my phone, and I put the phone in a different pocket than I did that night. Pedro started to ask me how I was feeling, to which my adrenaline levels blew up. Quite honestly, I started to think that I was about to be abducted by some Colombian human trafficking ring. My sight started to weirdly tingle and the lights were blinding me at this point. My jaw was messed up as I was pushing my teeth together. I've taken drugs before in the past and this felt a lot like a stimulant and a dissociative which was really weird for me to understand. I tried to keep my voice calm and my mind present. I told Pedro that I knew what was going on and I asked him why he gave me a stimulant if he needs me unconscious. Pedro's hands, they started to shake at this point and he didn't answer me. The girl at the laptop looked right in my eyes the first time that she'd even moved with her body. Pedro grabbed his phone and started to write to somebody on WhatsApp. 
I told Pedro that they'd made a mistake in the dose and that I'm fine apart from having been unknowingly drugged. Quite honestly, I think that Pedro had drugged me back in the club while I went to the toilet, which was why he quickly got up when I was leaving. Everything that I said, Pedro rewrote to somebody else and he always waited for an incoming message before saying anything to me. I started to talk to the girl too, told her that I don't care about what they were doing there but I was walking out. At one moment I remember saying that I get what Pedro was doing but I don't get what the girl's part was in all of this, to which I was pointing my finger at her. Pedro then got a notification on his phone and he told me that he was sorry and I can go home if I want. I didn't respond to him, got my drugged butt out of there and I was walking out of the dining room. I stopped by the girl with her laptop, stared right into her eyes and I held my right hand up in a fist bump. She looked in my eyes, gave me a fist bump and did a sort of weird grimace on her face. I walked to the door at the reception which was now closed. I started to kick and punch the doors while yelling, open the door. The receptionist eventually did and thankfully I walked out. At this point, my heart was absolutely jumping. My whole body was shaking. I felt crazy dizzy and awake all at the same time. I ran to a main street and I was calling my mum to come and get me as fast as possible, but I didn't know where I was. I was feeling disassociated and couldn't really apprehend what had just happened. As I got to a main street where a bus stop was, I started to feel very paranoid all of a sudden. There was a white Mercedes SUV that had stopped right in the main road near the bus stop that I stood on. They turned off their car lights and were just sort of standing there. I told all of this to my mum and she told me to look for a camera so I stood right under a camera which was at the bus stop to make sure that I was seen. I was feeling and talking weirdly to which my mum told me to talk to her to tell her what I can see around me. I've seen a few people that walk to the main street. Everybody was on their phone and occasionally looking at me. One guy came close to the bus stop and I approached him while I still had my mum on the phone. I asked what does he want from me and he was like, I'm sorry, do I know you? To which I just said that I was sorry. After about 10 minutes of me being on the phone with my mum, the white SUV turned on the engine and they left. My mum, she came by car soon after and I was walking to her car on the road but at this point I really couldn't walk properly. I felt paranoid, tons of adrenaline going through my body. My heart was pumping so fast that... I thought that I was going to have some kind of a seizure or a heart attack or something. In the end, I managed to get to my mum's car though. She was in her pajamas and terrified. I started to tell her everything that had happened. I told her to drive around the city instead of driving me home just in case they were following us. We were driving around for maybe an hour, talked about what had happened during the night, how the inside of that building looked and all. My jaw was doing some crazy stuff that my mum could hear it and she was really scared for me. The whole ride, I felt so weird. At one point, it honestly felt like my soul left my body. It's hard to describe it, but I just didn't feel like myself, like I wasn't real. 
Lights were blinding me and my visions were blurring and tingling and my eyes were going up and down all the time. I didn't feel any rush or euphoria or anything. And in the end, I just thought to myself that they must have given me some sort of a bad mix. I arrived at my home at around half past seven, in the morning that is. My mum stayed at home with me, comforting me the whole time. I tried to sleep, but I just couldn't. We were talking about going to the police and also about if I'm in any kind of danger anymore. And at around 11 in the morning, finally I fell asleep. During this time, my mother cleaned my apartment and my sister came to visit me. Honestly, I don't know what I would do without my family. One of my girlfriends that was with me during that night came to visit me too. As I talked to her, I thought that I got some kind of an episode, like schizophrenic or something. Like, why the heck would I be a target of something like this? I mean, I'm a chubby bearded guy. Why would they want to abduct me of all people? I'm afraid of going to the police as our police department and politics are pretty corrupt and they've always worked with some kind of mafia as long as I can remember. They would take my testimony, start to investigate and then they would be stopped by their officials, no doubt. I still don't fully believe that what had happened to me was an experience with human trafficking. However, there are so many red flags of it that I can remember that... I really can't count it out either. Like, why would Pedro be so scared after I called them out like that? Why would he have stopped talking to me unless someone sent him a message on his phone like that? Why would he even start to message somebody during a conversation? And obviously, why would he drug me without me knowing it? But ultimately, why on earth would he just let me go like that? Eventually, I went to the ER with my mum this early morning as I woke up with spasms all over my body. They gave me an IV and sent a sample of my blood for toxicology reports. They did some tests, EKG and blood pressure, and they've sent me home maybe three hours ago. The results of the toxicology, they just came by email to my mum. And, sure enough, there were traces of fentanyl ethylphenidate, and ketamine, all in my blood. Also, while I was being given the IV, the doctor said to my mum that apparently this was not uncommon and that they've had a lot of patients who have been unknowingly drugged during the last few years. He said that it wasn't this common before and that lately there's been a lot more of it. I still don't know why I was drugged like this, but really there's only a few options. One, it was a kidnapping attempt. Two, I've heard of stories of organ harvesting as well. Or three, maybe it was some sort of perverted or sexual thing. Whatever the case may be, I am just grateful that I got out of there. What comes to mind when you picture the perfect roommate? One who comes when you call? One who doesn't forget to lock the doors? One who doesn't steal your milk just a little bit at a time, hoping you won't notice? At Apartments.com, they understand that. When it comes to roommates, a pet can be your best bet. They're easygoing, eat what you serve them, and never clog the toilet. That's why they have the most pet-friendly rental listings on the internet. 
And with instant alerts, you'll know the moment your perfect, pet-friendly place becomes available. So, when you need a place that's pet-friendly and human-tolerant, check out Apartments.com, the place to find your pet-friendly place. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. So to start this off, I want to say that I've never seen anything like this in my life. At the time, I was 15 years old, pet-sitting a friend of mine's dogs while they were out of town and in Benson, Arizona is where this took place. This property, it had a lot of acres and it took about 15 minutes to get to their little house right in the middle of probably about 75 acres. At the time, it was about, I want to say 10pm. My friend had eight dogs and... They usually stayed outside for the most part because they were big watchdogs who seemed to have been able to defend themselves in the past. Before everything happened, I was inside their tiny home making food and then I heard the biggest dog start squealing kind of quietly, very scared and seemed to be in pain but loud enough for me to hear. I knew the sounds were unusual that this dog was making so I shut up and ran outside to see what was going on. I thought maybe the dog might have hurt himself or something similar. Maybe they'd gotten into a fight or something. But this just was not the case. And when I got out there, I ended up seeing a five to six foot tall, pale, very skinny creature hunched over this dog, sucking on its head. I was stunned, almost too stunned to speak, but I managed to shake that feeling off. I start yelling at this thing because the dog started yelping loud and I'm telling this creature to get out of here and trying to scare it off. I run over to her dog as fast as I could because I've heard of these things before, maybe a, a chupacabra, and I know that they would likely eat the dog if I didn't do anything. But I stop about 10 feet in front of it to see this creature jump up and run as fast as it can away on two legs. After that, I couldn't help but keep looking over my shoulder the rest of the time that I was there. I also didn't let these dogs out that night and I didn't care to go out there either. So when my friends come back, I told them everything that happened and what I saw. It felt like everyone was just as frightened as I was and that made me even more unsettled. I ended up leaving that desert and... I did not look back. I still don't know what to make of it to this day, except that I want to say that it was something demonic. 
This was maybe six to seven years ago. I have photos on my camera as well still, but I haven't changed it in ages. Gave up on photography, you know how it is. So I hope that you guys can just trust me. So we've been going on these trips as a family for a really long time now. Probably 17 years if I had to guess. I won't say where it is that we go, but it's in the Australian bush just to give you all an idea of the setting. Anyway, we've had a few creepy experiences there, but nothing inexplicable, I guess. But this event, it still weirds me out, and I cannot really think of anything that explains it. So, the year of this, my sister, cousin, dad, and myself all drove up together and were the first to arrive at the house. We had to wait for my grandma to arrive with the key, so my dad sat on the deck with a beer and my sister, cousin, and I went on a little journey. The three of us made our way to a little creek not far from the house that we nicknamed Bride to Terabithia because of the tree that had fallen and acted as a bridge for use to get across the creek. This creek, it never had water in it though and was not deep or wide. We could easily walk through it is what I'm getting at, but the tree was fun. Anyways, my cousin makes an off-the-cuff sort of comment as we walk across the tree asking, sort of sarcastically, is there something dead around here? Because of how many flies there were. Well, and behold, we get to the other side and there was something dead. We were greeted with a dead kangaroo. Nothing too jarring. I mean, I'd seen plenty on the side of the road. But this one, this one was cut clean in half. And when I say clean, I mean clean. Like it was perfectly halved, surgically. Also, there wasn't even an ounce of blood on the fur, no blood on the ground, and the top half was just nowhere to be found. I happened to have my camera on me, and I took some photos of it, Then my cousin poked it with a stick, and literally hundreds of flies came out of it. My cousin and sister kept poking at it, trying to move it into the creek, but a fully grown kangaroo, even half of one, isn't exactly light. Their sticks, they eventually broke, so I grabbed it by the tail and pulled it into the creek so that we could bury it, but really we just covered it with sticks and flowers. We looked up top everywhere for the second half or a trace of what might have happened to it, but we just couldn't find anything. We ended up going back down into the creek and walking through it looking for something, and what we found only made the whole situation even more confusing. We found, if I remember correctly, four dead rabbits, but only their bottom halves, all lined up neatly along the floor of the creek until it reached thick brush that we couldn't walk through any longer. But it was the same thing with these rabbits, though. No top halves to be found, no blood anywhere, cut clean in half, like surgically, it got too weird at this point, so at that, we just left. We never went back there the entire trip that we were there that time. Although, we've been back to this place every year since then, and we have never seen anything like this again.
My first encounter was when I was super young. We were currently living in an apartment in Orlando, Florida. I was maybe three or four and I just remember looking into one of those large bulky TVs and seeing rows of what looked like dead people in this TV which was turned off mind you. In that same house, as odd as it sounds, I was laying down in my parents bed and remember seeing an evil looking shadow of what looked like Crash Bandicoot. My next encounter, I think I was five or six in Miami, Florida at my stepdad's house. My family and his always said that that house was haunted, and I guess they must have been right. They'd mentioned hearing dishes being moved and things like that, but no one ever saw that face that I did. No one but me. The first time that I saw it, it was only a shadow figure. The way the room was set up next to the doorframe was a mirror, and across from that mirror was my bunk bed. All of a sudden, the bed started shaking as if a grown man was trying to destroy it. I happened to look in that mirror and on that top bunk was this shadow figure that looked as demonic as anything can really. The most prominent features were the horns though. They curled almost all the way back to its back. In the end, I covered myself with pillows in the hopes to mask or forget about what was going on right above me. Eventually it stopped and I didn't sleep that night. To this day I sleep with at least 10 pillows on my bed because of this as well. In that same house, my mum said that she would see a shadow figure walk to our doorways and make some sort of a symbol on our doors or doorways. Why she didn't say anything to anybody is absolutely beyond me, but that woman was kind of crazy. In that same house, I was climbing a pantry the top of this pantry, there was a sort of space between the topmost shelf and the doorframe, probably around two or so. When I reached the top, this face just popped out at me. A purely white face, almost like a ceramic mask, with eyes that I can only describe as void of light. It came within inches of my face and I instantly dropped. This was the first time that I saw its face, the first time it introduced itself to me. And since that moment, I've never been able to comfortably open a closet without the fear of seeing it. Fast forward, I'm more probably about seven to nine years old, playing with some Legos in a bath. The bathroom had an exhaust fan in the center of the ceiling. And as I was chilling in the tub, I recall looking up at it, this exhaust fan, and thinking, huh, that looks kind of like a face. But I was young, so I just told myself that it was the fan moving quickly. It just sort of looked still when I looked at it. Then my older brother Justin walked in, and that was when the eyes on this face moved with a speed that I still could not put into words, snapping onto him and following him throughout the bathroom. I told Justin he couldn't leave that bathroom without me, and the face was purely white with those black empty eyes again. That's when I recognized it again. Again, I didn't see it for years, but I was terrified to be alone. The next time I was in sophomore in high school, probably like 15 or 16, I lived in the basement of our current house. It was only me, my younger sister, and my mother in the house at this point. I also had a friend who would come over every now and then just to hang out or whatever. 
The way the basement was laid out, my bed was close to this sort of open room that my mum used as her closet, and on the other side of the room was the bottom entrance of the basement. So, when you come in through the basement, you turn to the right and you see the open closet, my bed, and the stairs that lead to the top floor. My friend came over one day and, as I let him in, he just starts freaking out. This kid was a very hard kind of person as well, who wouldn't show this type of reaction to most things. So, naturally, I'm trying to figure out what he's freaking out at, and he tells me that he saw a white face with black eyes peeking out from that closet. Honestly, I didn't like the guy too much, so I hadn't told him about any of my experiences. But when he told me that, I moved upstairs and that fear was suddenly reignited. I never saw the face again, but I could have swore that I felt it. Then, at 24 years old... I was laying in bed with my now ex-wife, back to back, and she started screaming at me to stop poking her in the face. I never felt so cold because I was practically asleep at this point and wasn't anywhere near close to touching her face. She quickly realized this too and she suddenly backed up to me even more. Up until my senior year in high school, I thought that I was just a, a schizophrenic to be honest, it wasn't until I spoke to Justin, my older brother, that I realized that this was as real as real gets. As I told him what happened on that bunk bed, he suddenly started crying and tearing up pretty hard. I had only seen him cry maybe once or twice in his whole life because he made himself into this sort of macho man. So I asked him why he was crying and... He told me that the same exact thing happened to him years prior in that house in Orlando on the same exact bunk bed. That told me that it wasn't my stepdad's house and nor was I crazy. There are more things that happened to my siblings and family. For example, in a house we resided in at Warner Robins, GA, my little sister dreamed of my little brother being stuck in the bathroom of the house, unable to get out while these green glowing eyes were staring at him from the mirror. When she woke up, Keanu, my little brother, was in the bathroom claiming to have seen green glowing eyes. In this same house, Annalise would randomly sort of wander the house, sleepwalking, almost in a trance. My older sister Melissa and her wife Leanne caught Annalise walking around one night, and they said that they saw an orb fly past as they saw Annalise in her trance-like state. Honestly though, I think that this all started because my mum and her older sister, my Tia, played with a Ouija board when they were really young. They claimed the bed floated and my grandparents soon after threw it out or whatever. They never said bye apparently and allegedly that's a big no-no. But all of this, it still haunts me very much. And what I really hope is that I never see that white face ever again. My mum, stepdad and I have lived in our house for around 15 years. I'm 21. Mum says that I've had a presence attached to me since I was a baby and honestly that does track because there is a very obvious presence attached to me even still in our house that just sort of lurks in my room. 
None of that really bothers me too much, nor do the noises, things we've seen in the corner of our eyes, stuff that's moved, or eerie feelings that we've gotten in our time there. But then this morning, something new and a whole different level of terrifying happened. My mum left for work at 5.30. I heard her pull out of the driveway. Then at 6, the garbage man came and my dog freaked out. He was in the living room and I was laying in bed, down the hall, waiting for him to just calm down a bit. Then I heard a woman say his name very clearly, loudly and concisely. He kept barking and I perked up at this, thinking that either my mum was still home or I was hearing things. I just brushed it off when I then heard her again. She said, be quiet. And sure enough, my dog stopped barking. I texted my mum to make sure that she wasn't actually home and she told me that she had been gone for 30 minutes as I expected. So I went through the house and nobody was there. It could not have been anyone else either. I mean, nobody would have just shown up at 6am, scolded my dog and then left. Mum asked what happened and I told her and she told me that a week ago she was asleep in her room when she heard a woman loudly say, oh, right beside her ear and she bolted up. She said that she was sure that she heard it but had felt like she was going crazy until I told her what I heard this morning. We described it to each other and it's the same, a mature woman's voice. It cannot be a squatter or at least we're pretty sure it's not. We have a crawl space that is impossible to access without knocking a bunch of stuff off the shelf in front of it, and an attic that is also impossible to access without opening an extremely loud and heavy door. But what I'm wondering though is why this entity, or whatever it is, has decided to all of a sudden become vocal in a way that we've never seen or heard here before, when we've been here for over a decade now. Any insight would be much appreciated because, quite honestly, this is really terrifying. The house that I grew up in, the same one that my parents and one of my brothers live in to this day, is very active with, well, what we call benevolent spirits. For some quick context, I grew up sharing a house with two female spirits. I felt their energy, I guess you could say, had encounters, and I still notice them lingering around when I go to visit my parents to this day. But one of the most intense encounters happened back in 2007, though. I was 13, my brother was 12, and the twins were 7 at this point. It was a, a humid day from memory, with thunderstorm warnings and dark skies. I remember it being late summer and the whole week prior was thunderstorm after thunderstorm. The storms, they knocked the power out eventually, leaving the house dimly lit by candles and flashlights. My parents, they were in the garage trying to get our generator to start so that my mum could at least have a cup of tea by boiling water in the kettle. Us kids, of course, wanted to be able to charge our Nintendo DSs since that was our obsession like many kids growing up in the mid-2000s. Anyway, I was sitting in the basement with my brothers. We were all sitting on the sectional waiting for the power to come back on. 
Our DSs were all drained of power and we were unsure of what to do. My brother Chad, he mentioned to me that he wanted to grab something from up in our bedroom that we shared, but didn't want to go up alone. I knew that he was afraid of the dark, so I didn't bother to question him anymore. We climbed the stairs from the basement, walked through the tiled hallway that connects to the kitchen, and then turned left to face the stairs going to the second floor. It was only ten or so steps, not a very steep or strenuous climb to make by any means. There was just pitch black in front of us, but suddenly a, a deep, foreboding feeling just ran right through me. I always felt in tune with my intuitions, and I try my best to listen to them, but this time things just suddenly happened before I could do anything else. With our flashlight still pointing up the stairs, lightning flashed and illuminated the hallway. Now, if you're standing where my brother and I were, you would see a hallway at the top of the stairs, which only went about 12 feet or so forward until you would run into the door to a linen closet. And standing in front of that linen closet at the end of the hallway, suddenly there was just a woman. The brightness of the lightning almost hurt my eyes, yet I could still make out this woman standing upstairs. She was wearing a long skirt and a button-up shirt. I couldn't place an exact time period to the clothes and I still can't to this day. I just know that it was from years even decades prior to 2007. This figure was not facing us. She was sort of staring off to the left of the hall towards my other brother's room. I can remember this intense feeling of fear suddenly. Now I think it was because we had no idea an apparition of a woman would appear before us, not because this spirit was evil or anything. But after what felt like a minute, Chad and I bolted towards the living room, hopping onto the couch, and we just sat there, wide-eyed and probably staring into nothing, trying to piece together what we just saw. Luckily, nothing paranormal or strange happened for the rest of that evening. We just went back downstairs, played our Nintendo Wii, hoping to forget what we saw as the generator came back on. But I remember wondering who that apparition exactly was. She was much younger than the other lady, who we named Tara. But from then on, I realized that it wasn't just Tara in our home. This woman would make more appearances in the future. And I guess, luckily for us, she would be friendly for the most part in those situations. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared Podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one.